Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Monday edition, Danny Mac Show with BK. Tanner with us as well, and great to have you with us as we get you set for Blues Hockey coming up uh, later tonight, the pregame at 6. So we're going to take you all the way up until 6. And guys, I hope you had a great weekend. How's it going? I'm doing all right, Dan. How was your weekend, my friend? It was great. It was great. Um, Love having baseball back. I love being back in the grind of, uh, I say grind. I don't mean it to be like, oh, we're, you know, doing really hard work here. No, I just love that every day there's a game. Love it. I don't like a lot of off days. I don't like the Friday off days. I get why we got to have them uh, have them after opening day. I get it, but I don't like them. Um, so it's good to have baseball back in St. Louis. And it was my first time uh, seeing fans back in the stands. And I know we talked about it with opening day. And that's kind of an animal in itself because people are fired up to be back at the stadium anyway, just to be back in watching baseball. But I'll tell you what, the crowds I've noticed are more into it now it's a you know reduced crowd 13 14,000 people but man is it nice to have fans in the stands unfortunately yesterday the fans saw a 7 nothing deficit right off the bat and that was not a good start for Daniel Ponce de Leon it wasn't and he's he's just got to be better he said after the game his arm felt like it was 100 pounds he just never felt right at any point during the start he didn't feel that way before the start he did feel that way during it I I don't know what to make of it Dan because you go through his first one it's like okay not perfect by any stretch, but he found a way to fight through and he got through it. And, and this one, it just, it felt like he never had his stuff for whatever reason. And then you go to the guy that's backing him up in Johan Oviedo. He looked outstanding. And if you're looking for the real competition in this staff right now, we know KK is getting ready to return. He'll get a spot in the rotation. Johan Oviedo made quite the impression that if they go to a six man rotation, he's certainly going to be in there. If they stick with five, he made a case for himself as being one of those five, even when KK returns. More on that in a moment. Daniel Ponce de Leon. The way I felt, I felt like my arm was like 100 pounds. I don't know, like not 100 pounds, but real heavy, you know. Just could not get it out in front, uh, you know. Uh, just using my whole body just to get get a strike. And I couldn't, you know, just couldn't get it. A couple things about this. Um, number one, the, the Brewers were ready to swing early and often because they knew what was coming. He didn't have a off-speed pitch he didn't have that against Miami but these guys were gearing up for a fastball uh bat rack was shaking they were ready to go so you could see that uh not to make excuses but I'll say this the ball in left needs to be caught by Austin Dean I thought the ball in center needs to be caught by Lane Thomas if those two plays are made shoulda coulda woulda right it maybe is a different outing. Maybe you get that first out, you settle in. That does happen in baseball. However, he wasn't good, so don't get me wrong. But those two plays in the outfield also need to be made, and they weren't, and it cost Daniel Ponce de Leon. Yeah, it's funny because the first week of the season leading into the weekend, we could have talked about the little things as being a positive for the Cardinals. And then you look at it over the weekend, and a lot of it does center around Austin Dean not picking on him. He was also really good at the plate, so we made up for it, but... He runs into the out on the bases. Can't happen. He doesn't make the play in left. 
got to make that play. You look at Lane Thomas, a guy that I'm excited to see get this extended opportunity. This is now becoming a little bit of a trend for him, and it was a tough play. But you got to make it, especially if one of your calling cards as being a player at the big leagues is going to be that you're a plus defender and center. You have to make that play. So it's it's tough to watch right now, Dan, when they're making outs on the bases and they're not making the defensive plays that are expected of them. This is a team that can't make up for that kind of margin of error. Manager Mike Schilt on Daniel Ponce de Leon. Clearly not his sharpest outing, but Ponce can typically be kind of a tightrope pitcher, meaning, you know, he's out there and he's a little bit, you know, uh, on the tightrope with deep counts a lot of times and higher pitch count, but also has the stuff to get out of it. And, you know, you walk the tightrope and we walked it a little bit in the first and, you know, was trying to hope and get him through the second as well and then be in position to to maybe hit for him if he doesn't find his groove. And uh, we got something going, which which we did, but couldn't couldn't wait any longer to make it happen. It's a tightrope. It's not a lot of wiggle room. And that's the way you get it with Daniel Ponce de Leon. So inning in a third, six hits, seven earned, four walks. That's a problem. He also walked the pitcher with the bases loaded. No strikeouts for Daniel. So on the season, six and a third, he's one and one, nine hits, a couple of home runs allowed, five walks, three strikeouts. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Johan Oviedo was called up yesterday by the Cardinals and they optioned down Jake Woodford, who was the long man on Saturday. It's a tough spot to be, man, when you're a long man in in baseball these days and this day and age and you're a swing man. Sometimes you, well, you pitch well and then you get sent down. That does happen. But yesterday, Mike Schiltz saw Johan Oviedo go four and two thirds, two hits, a couple of walks, uh, four strikeouts, 65 pitches, and he was awfully good. He was tremendous, great. Uh, demeanor, great body language, great pace, um, attack, secondary pitches working, um, mixing a filthy changeup, second, you know, slider, good fastball, both sides of the plate, and uh, ate a lot of big innings. And, and most importantly, also, he kept us in the game. Yes, he did. And I, I think when you're Mike Schilt and you see that, it, it catches your eye because there's a couple of things that happened. I, I didn't see Oviedo pitch a lot in the games that we were doing in spring training. But what I did see yesterday was someone that is a more compact delivery. Uh, he was more consistent in the strike zone guy that was throwing hard and he was challenge, challenging hitters. And the other thing I, that, that Mike pointed out, and I said it during the broadcast yesterday, he had a better pace. Now, part of that is because you're throwing strikes, but that's what he was doing yesterday. So to your point, BK, when you're looking at a six man rotation, which the Cardinals will have at one point, they're going to have a spot start to me. It's Oviedo. But where are you at with Daniel Ponce de Leon, John Gant tonight, Carlos Martinez hasn't been great. That's the other one. And if this guy gives you a better shot and he's stretched out, you maybe take a harder look at Johan Oviedo. We'll see how it plays out. Dan, it, there was a saying from a, a while back, the ship be sinking. And right now, the ship be sinking for the Cardinals rotation. It's early. It's going to be all let's, right. Let's hold on now. Come on now. No, no, no. We're just hear, a little, little over a weekend. Let's, I know, let's hear me pump out here. the brakes. Hear, hear, hear me out with what I'm trying to say here. The Cardinals are last in baseball with a 6.57 ERA from their rotation. You can look around. Nobody's been good so far. Jack Flaherty finally had a pretty good start. That's pretty much it that I can point to, though, and say that that looks like what we're expecting from the Cardinals. And so as much as I understand Cardinals fans today will be calling for Ponce de Leon to be replaced by Johan Oviedo or maybe Carlos Martinez, whoever it may be, you you could say that about basically everybody right now. So if you want to say Oviedo should replace player X in the rotation, not name Jack Flaherty, I'll listen to your argument. 
But like you said, Dan, it's early. I still think that things are going to get on track. I am much less concerned about this rotation than a lot of others seem to be. Here's what my concern is. Results, yeah, it's a results-driven business, but the Cardinals starters have thrown 38 and two-thirds innings. They've gone five or fewer in seven of the nine starts. That concerns me. Your bullpen has thrown more innings than your starters so far. That will catch up. So do I think we're going to be sitting in here this summer and there's going to be a turn in the rotation of maybe five to ten days when we go, oh, hey, this is the starting staff we were expecting. Yes, I do. Do I think the starters will settle in? Yes, I do. So I'm not overly concerned about what I'm seeing results-wise. What I am concerned about, and this, you know, I was talking about this on the crossover with uh, with Randy and Michelle. You know, Craig Council said our starters are going to go 75, 85 pitches, 90 pitches, and they're coming out. You know, I mean, look at Brett Anderson had a six-run lead, and he comes out after five. You That's not ideal. I mean, you don't want to be all of a sudden – throwing so many innings out of your bullpen but that is what we have in baseball because so many teams are concerned about what happened last year and running starters into the ground so while I look at the 38 and two-thirds through the first handful of games it's concerning but maybe it's by design now yesterday was not by design you didn't want uh, Daniel going inning in a third so that's something to keep an eye out as we go forward. And Mike Schilt agrees in terms of looking at the starters' innings compared to the bullpen. It's not a sustainable model. Like I said, we got the off days have helped us. Um, bullpen's been great, but uh, we got to get deeper and further along with our with our starters so we can actually use our bullpen how we'd like to use it instead of putting guys in positions just because they're most rested. That's, uh, that's not a great recipe. So coming up, it's the Nationals tonight. If you have a ticket, by the way, 645 with the start time. Um, I like these start times. I like earlier start times. You know, we had a nine-inning game the other day, almost go four hours. I was about to say, that's the thing, is you have to start them earlier Man, because they're going so long. They are going long. And, um, you know, it's it's I guess part of it is what we're just talking about, starters coming out early, and then you're rolling out every reliever known to man on both sides. So it's going to take a long time. Relievers throwing 98 miles an hour, a lot of strikeouts. You're going to mix in some walks. Um, but, man, these games are taking long, really long. Tomorrow should go quick. You got Flaherty versus Strasburg. That, like that should one. be a, a quick working. However, Steven Strasburg takes forever. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, so so you don't know. <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I, at least it's a cool matchup. It's a, it's a matchup. throwback to yesteryear when you would get excited about two starters going up against one another. I so agree with that. that. I would agree with that. Now, you're not going to see Corbin, Lester. You're not going to see Scherzer. So this is a chance to get back on track. You got uh, tonight, Eric Fetty. Saw him in spring training. You got Strasburg. And then you got Joe Ross on Wednesday. That is a day game. Um, just get back on track. You know, get a win. Get calmed down. We'll talk about the lineup a little bit later in the show. FP Santangelo is coming up. He is the analyst for the Washington Nationals. So we'll get the, their side of things heading into St. Louis tonight. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Nationals in town, all three games on Bally Sports. And it begins tonight, the coverage at 6, 6.45 with our first pitch, Eric Fetty of the Nationals. And uh, tonight, the Cardinals will send out John Gant, who is in the rotation for St. Louis. I say this, I'm a broken record when I say this, BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kiley, Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. But I say when we get our guests, 
man, the pandemic, there's a lot of bad things going on, obviously. But one of the things I miss is seeing my buddies on the road or when they come to St. Louis. And that includes the uh, TV analyst of the Nationals, one of my favorites, and that's F.P. Santangelo, many years in the big leagues. Hey, F.P., great to hear your voice. How are things going? Getty Max, thanks for having me on, first of all. Uh, yeah, I miss you, too. It's, uh, you know, we don't travel anymore and all the relationships we've built over the years. And, um, yeah, we miss coming to St. Louis, one of my favorite towns. So I wish we were there today. We'll be happy to do the game in the studio till 1 in the morning here. Yes. <laughs> but yes. Dude, I miss you, dude. And uh, um, we're excited to get the season going. At least we got baseball and hopefully 162 games. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Now, just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean our relationship has been broken. I just want to make sure you understand that. You know, we can still text <laughs> like we always do. I just want to make sure you're you're still good with that. Yeah, I make fun of things you say on the air, and you make fun of things I say on the air. And we, we, it's good stuff, man. You're all over me in spring training. I loved it, but you also helped me out, and I'm sure we'll be helping each other out tonight and try to figure out what the hell is going on during these games. Um, i got to ask you, what, what's it like from an analyst perspective trying to do games off the monitors? I, I am curious what you think about doing that, because an analyst can see so many things that the average fan or even the play-by-play guy, they don't see. You guys played this game at a high level, the best in the world at what you did, and do. So what what do you what do you try to gleam off of doing things off the monitor and maybe some things that you've learned going forward? Well, you know, I'm a big body language guy, Danny. And, and, and when you're looking around the game, you're paying attention. You're looking in dugouts. You're looking at conversations in dugouts. You're seeing body language on the field, whether a guy's confident, whether, you know, he's he's a little nervous, whether he's scared. You can pick these things up based on, you know, when I used to look into a pitcher's eye from 60 feet, six inches away, and he used to look at my body language. So you're always looking for things like the game within the game to break down for the fans. Maybe not, you know, you could get anybody up there to say, oh, that guy's got to make that play. But I, I, I try to go deeper and say why he didn't make that play or what he might be thinking at the plate. So when you're limited to a few screens, and just the camera angles, you can't ask the director or the producer to show you something um, where you can when the game's right in front of you. So I'm jealous that you guys get to watch the game tonight in person, and you can see things that we can't. But it, it, all that said, we still have the greatest job in the world, and it's just an adjustment period. I think, Danny, the thing I struggle with most is I've made some pretty good relationships with the players over the years. I try to be fair to them on the air and be real positive and find good things to talk about. And those relationships right now are non-existent. No so doubt. My, prep, my prep work is hanging around the cage, talking to you when you come by, you know, talking to visiting players, talking to my own players, talking to my manager, that he'll tell me things because I played that maybe he won't tell the normal media. Do I go up there and say those things on the air? No, but it helps me formulate opinions every day. And so those relationships I've built over the years and my show prep are really suffering right now. I was just talking to my producer five minutes before you called saying, hey, i got to find a way to get more information. So hopefully we can start calling some coaches, maybe text a player or call a player once every now and then. Just so I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm just a Twitter nerd up there doing a game right now. So I'm serious. FP, I'm curious, uh, two of the guys that it, it doesn't take an expert to be able to see how good they are is Juan Soto and Trey Turner. What is it like to watch two of the best young players in the sport every night? Well, you guys know you got two of the best players or, or even more on your team to watch every night. I mean, I feel lucky. You know, as a guy that wasn't very good as a hitter, I, I feel guilty sometimes breaking down Juan Soto's swing or saying, well, he's a little too upper body right now. He should probably use his hands. Like, who am I to tell Juan Soto on the air what he should do? But it's part of my job. And to see those guys 
every single day. Trey Turner, I think, uh, is kind of following the path and the footsteps of Anthony Rendon, where you're watching him kind of grow up in front of your eyes. He's a guy that doesn't like the spotlight, but a guy that's a winner and a quiet leader and leads by example and plays hurt and things we don't even hear about in the media. You know, in, in 2019, when they won the World Series, he played with a broken finger all year that was killing him, but he never said a word about it. He just went out there and performed every day. So he's the leader of the team, a quiet leader, doesn't like the spotlight, just wants to be a good teammate like Rendon. And Juan Soto, you guys, I mean, I think he's the best hitter in baseball. To watch his approach on a daily basis, to watch the adjustments he makes pitch by pitch, um, he, so you guys know he was a natural right fielder in the minor leagues, learned how to play left field in the big leagues. He's back to his natural position. Um, and, and he's playing a great right field. He runs the base as well. He hustles just like Trey Turner. They both play hard every day. So, uh, real lucky to watch those guys play every day. The problem right now, fellas, is that there's just not a whole lot around them. You know, we got some thump in Kyle Schwarber, who you guys know, and Josh Bell, who you guys know, because you've seen them so much in your own division. Those guys aren't there right now to protect them. So the lineup's depleted. The Nats are having trouble scoring runs. What What is the situation going into this series with the, the COVID situation with the Nationals? Well, I, I think Davey Martinez said in the Zoom yesterday that uh, the next 24 hours, so talking about yesterday, will kind of tell the story about when these guys come back. Um, I think we might see them uh, in the series against you guys. And that's just guessing. I'd love to say I talked to so-and-so and they told me, but we don't anymore. So, um, But it, it, you guys well know, too, that the names in the lineup are just names in the lineup right now, that it's going to take those guys four, five, six, seven games, maybe more, to get locked in, to get their rhythm at the plate. I don't care what you're doing at home, whether you're hitting off a tee into a mattress Nothing replicates the game moving as fast as it does at the highest level. So it's going to take these guys a minute to, to hit their stride and for this lineup to be this lineup. I mean, the, the Cardinals couldn't be catching the Nats at a better time. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think an FP Santangelo is our guest, and he does the TV analyst uh, for the Washington Nationals, does a great job. Um, I think we may be watching one of the greatest left-handed hitters ever. As long as he stays healthy, Soto could go down as one of the best that's ever played this game because he's so young. He's supposed to be a college senior this year, so gives you an idea how young he is. If you had to say, FP, what makes him so good? If you had to take one aspect of his hitting that makes him so good, what is it about him that gets him to that next level? Well, I mean, there's a few things. His knowledge of the strike zone is unbelievable. He swings at strikes and he spits on borderline pitches. Um, he's not afraid to hit with two strikes. You'll see the spread out, choke up, two strikes dance. He doesn't give anything away, Danny, with two strikes. You'll see a guy like Joey Votto choke up with two strikes, but I don't know if he has the same pop and he's as dangerous as he, as he is with, let's say, a 3-1 count. Juan Soto is every bit as dangerous with two strikes and sometimes a better hitter with two strikes because, you know, he's not trying to do too much. He's got power to all fields. I think he hit two home runs to the pole side last year. The others were, you know, up the middle the other way. I think he had a five to center and six to left. Wow. So he's got opposite field pop. Um, and it, I mean, I, I would say the strike zone is the thing that marvels me every day in his decision-making process. I'm curious, FP, you know, when you look at what Max Scherzer had in his first start, it, it wasn't the start to the season that anybody was expecting, but I know in St. Louis, everybody's always keeping an eye on Max. What did he look like yesterday? Where's he at now? Is, is he starting to kind of settle in a little bit? Yeah, his delivery yesterday was the most smooth and under control I've ever seen it. And when you think of Max and all the great things he's done, the three Cy Youngs, he's a world champion now. 
um, and all the adjectives we used to describe them like nasty, filthy, deceptive. Uh, smooth is a, a word I've never used on the air to describe him. He was so under control yesterday. His delivery was slower. Uh, there was no head jerk at the end. There was no, like, violence at the end. And he still was sitting 94, 95. His fastball command was great. But I, the adjustments he's made, see, this is the things I'm missing, guys. I would go up to Max today and say, wow, you were really under control yesterday. I've never seen your delivery so slow. You're reaching out into Jonathan Lucroy's glove. Your release point was way up front. What, you know, what adjustments did you make? I saw it with, you know, with my eyes, but I would love to tell the fans at home the adjustments you made. And those are the things we're lacking now as broadcasters. I would love to tell you guys right now. Max told me, but I just noticed it on the air. He was so under control yesterday. It'll be amazing to see him go to the Hall of Fame, and he is going to the Hall of Fame. And when he wears that Cardinal cap, it'll be even more special <laughs> for all of us here. <laughs> so, FP, he, he is a free agent to be. How, how important is it for that franchise to make sure that he finishes as a Washington National? Well, hey, you know, that's way above my pay grade. I know the yeah. fans love him. I know, I know it's. I know it's uh, must-see TV every fifth day. I know you guys are big fans because of his ties um, to Missouri. Um, but, hey, we enjoy watching him. As you guys probably did with Albert Pujols, we know we're watching a Hall of Famer every yeah. fifth day. I mean, you, you just know it. So, you know, when I fill out my scorecard at a Max Scherzer start, I make sure that, like, you know, it's not as messy as it normally is because it might be going to the Hall of Fame. You never know what you're going to see every day when you watch this guy pitch, whether it's a 20 strikeout game, we had no idea driving to the park against the Tigers, he was going to strike out 20, you know, or a near perfect game or uh, the 17 strikeout, no hitter against the Mets with no walks uh, and an error at third, which was the difference in a perfect game versus a no hitter. So, you know, every fifth day, you know, you just don't know what you're going to see with the guy. But I always tell people, you guys, I like the games where he grinds, where he has his B and C stuff and he yeah. competes. And he's just out there battling and fighting and finding a way to win. The intangibles for this guy are off the chart. So if, say, he does sign with the Cardinals next year, and I know you guys want him to. Oh, we do. <laughs> Come on. I know. But we'd like to keep him here. The one thing I enjoy most about his starts, there's a lot of talk about the DH. When he's, when he's hitting, he's grinding. He had a 361-foot out to the warning track in right center field at Dodger Stadium yesterday. Whatever this guy does, it's full tilt. He's fully invested whether he's running the bases in the batter's box or pitching against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's just, it's fun to watch him play. A lot of times as an analyst, I sit up there and turn into a fan. Like what is there to analyze today? Yeah. Everybody sit back and watch. I, there's nothing I can add to this. Let's just all be fans and watch together. He's such a great guy too. And I, I did a lot of his games when he was at the university of Missouri. And I remember people saying at the time, and it's interesting that you bring up his delivery. They said, well, that's not a repeatable delivery. He's going to have problems. He's going to have arm issues. That's never been an issue really for him. Has it? Yeah, where are the where are all those geniuses now? They're exactly. probably out of work. Exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's never been a problem. Um, he's so he's so smart. He knows every everything that's going on in his delivery at every moment. He can make pitch to pitch adjustments in his delivery on the fly in the heat of battle, um, which a lot of guys can't do. Um, he's just so he's so smart. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever been around a, a more intelligent baseball player, knowing his own body, knowing his mechanics. Um, so yeah, th those, those geniuses probably aren't in baseball anymore. Hey, totally FP, agree. Final question that I've got for you, FP, you guys were able to see the Dodgers over this weekend and it didn't go the way that the nationals would have hoped the Do Dodgers end up sweeping that series. 
What did you see from them? Are they as good as we had anticipated coming into this season? You know, it's weird. That's a great question. I, I'm sitting here watching all the networks in the offseason. Dodgers are going to repeat. Dodgers are unbeatable. And I'm like, come on, it's a 162-game schedule. You know, everyone's anointing the Dodgers, NL champs, and re- dude, they didn't They're have really Cody good. Bellinger. They didn't have Mookie Betts. They're really stinking good, man. I'd be shocked. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You guys have a great ball club. The NL East is stacked. We're going to beat up on each other all season long, and I think whoever comes out of the NL East is going to be October ready. But these guys are so good, you guys. If they don't repeat, I'll be shocked. I mean, I I shouldn't say that because, you know, October's a crapshoot and a lot of luck involved. But they're the best team I've seen easily in a long, long time, and they're built to repeat. Let's put it that way. Hey, FP, thanks for your time. Thanks for doing this. I'm sure we'll talk this afternoon, and uh, great hearing your voice, my man. All right, I'm going to call you later because I I need some St. Louis Cardinals prep for the game tonight. I know, I know. (laughs) We'll be on the phone for an hour, and then we probably won't talk baseball, so it'll be perfect. I love it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it. That's F.P. Santangelo, the uh, analyst of the Washington Nationals, does a terrific job. As you can tell, a lot of energy. And uh, he grew up around the Giants broadcasters, too. I remember talking to him about John Miller and Kruko and Kipe. And and, uh, and F.P. is one of those guys that is always around the cage and always talking to players, isn't far removed from the game. And that's what you want out of your analyst. He does a great job. So uh, fun to visit with him. I loved hearing what he had to say about the Dodgers. Yeah. I, He's I, right. I mean, they're, they're unbelievable, man. They, I looked at their lineup from yesterday. I'm like, okay, you know, you got a, you got a shot here, uh, Nationals, because you, you don't have Mookie Betts out there. You don't have Bellinger out there. Those are two of the big bats in the middle of that order. Nope. Mm-mm. Three nothing. We'll just go ahead and make quick yep. work of this, and it's over. And to be fair, the Nationals also didn't have their full club. They've got the COVID issues still that are kind of lingering for them. So that's, that is a disclaimer there. But God, are the Dodgers a really good team. And he hit it on the head, and I, I've been saying this too. You can have a lesser club, but if you go in with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin Lester, you know, one of those guys gets hot and you're in a series and you're rolling those guys out, say Strasburg and Scherzer pitch for the seven games, got a chance. You know, pitching can make you better mm-hmm. because you can shut down a lineup. You look at the Mets, you got Jacob deGrom, you're going to get Noah Syndergaard back, you've got Carrasco when he gets healthy. I mean, they, you never know what can happen. That's the beauty of the sport. Um, if you just get hot at that time with some pitching. Now, I know it's a lot of hope, praying, knocking on wood. Uh, what was it in Major League when they're, you know, the, the Joe Boo? You got to have a little bit of everything, but it can happen. But on paper, Oh my goodness! Are the Dodgers good? They're, They're special, ridiculous. Man. Is this? I, I'm curious because been they around. can counter with Kershaw, Bauer, and everybody say, else. You know, when you look at what they have in the rotation and the pen as well, it's it's ridiculous. Um, what do you compare this to? Like, is there something in your time around the game when you've been covering it from a day to day basis? That is the closest comp to the 2021. This really, this like three to five year run that we've seen from the Dodgers you know, in terms of talent. Yankees late 90s. You know, Yankees late 90s had some pretty good teams and could match it with pitching. Sure. And then you were getting guys that were in the primes of their career. Remember the Yankees? They were built on these guys coming through their system. I mean, yes, they go out and spend in free agency, but the core were guys that they developed. It was Pettit, Jeter. Uh, Posada, Bernie Williams. I mean, th- those guys were great players. And then you kind of, then Tino Martinez came in on the heels of Don Mattingly, who's probably a Hall of Famer. I mean, you went out and got Paul O'Neill. Uh, Charlie Hayes was good for a while. I mean, you had Joe Girardi was a good player for them. 
Um, they went out and were had a pretty able, good closer. Yeah, and you had the <laughs> that's another one from the core, Mariano Rivera, and they had John Wetland. Remember, Rivera was not the closer at first; John Wetland was. So I, I you know, that would be the comp I think right now, the late '90s Yankees. Yep. And I think we've seen teams, BK, that have really good lineups. And you're like, yeah, but there's a deficiency in the sixth inning on their bullpen. From the mid-2010s. That's that's the one that comes to mind. Um, I think if you look at the Cardinals in the early 2000s, going through the MV3, that was was not easy to do. And then you had Edgar Renteria and some other great players around them. Like I was looking at the – I like going back. I don't know if you ever do this, but I like going back and looking at opening days of really good teams. And you go back to like the opening days of those 2002, three, four, five, even six Cardinals, really good. You know, they're really good. And so you have really good teams. And then you say, but there was that deficiency here. So that's why they didn't win. Because a team like Arizona could throw Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. And they did, and they rode them all the way to the World Series. So, I, it, But this team with the Dodgers, I mean, when you have David Price in your bullpen... It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's really good. Really good. This is... that I think that it's almost a new era of baseball in some ways, and it's it's hearkening back to those 90s Yankees for sure, but that, that kind of started the Yankees versus the Red Sox, them both going back and forth during the season and also in the offseason, right? right? Where it was, who can add the biggest piece this offseason... I think we're seeing that now, the Padres being the team that's kind of doing it with uh, the Dodgers. You're seeing teams have to collect more talent now than they did from about 09 to 15, 16 era. Like, I don't know that the Kansas City Royals of 2014, 2015, they don't compete with this Dodgers team. It's that That is as complete a baseball team as you'll see. And the way that they would is you're like, fingers crossed, okay, we got a good start. We got into the seventh. Now, as the Royals were constructed, now we have a shot. Because we got great bullpen guys. You know, that's one of the ways to look at it. By the way, I'm going to get into this uh, after the break. Did you see Sunday Night Baseball last night? I saw the big play that everybody's talking about. What would you think? Well, hold that thought. Okay. All right, we'll get into that, and we'll get into replay coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. They have made the ruling, and the call will stand. The run will score. And the Braves are livid, and the crowd is livid, and Brian Snitker is livid. He's coming out on the field. He's going to get tossed. And he should be livid. They missed the play, and it went to replay in New York. It was Sunday Night Baseball last night. Dan Schulman with the call here on 101 ESPN. If you missed it, play at the plate. Runner missed the plate. They go to replay. He missed the plate, and it was obvious that he missed it, and he's ruled safe, and it cost him the game. And my question would be, with a CBA coming up, uh, and players see that, and there's been reaction all over the baseball world from writers, former players, players currently of of frustration with this, why do we have it if we're not going to do the right thing? And I think players would say, get it out. I'm done with it. It's one of those things, Dan, that we've – if you're going to have replay review, it is for plays like that, where it is clear and obvious as to what took place at the plate. And you can make that call quickly. We all saw it from home. If I can see it on my home television in no more than 30 seconds after seeing three different replay reviews, it's like, okay, that is without question. He never touched the plate. I can see that. If I can see that at home and they spend five, six, seven, however many minutes on it in New York, 
How can they not see? I, I, that's what, what I, I don't can get. I, I don't understand that. We've gone almost too far in some plays where it's like the pop play, right, for the Seals. I hate that. Yes, sometimes when you're stealing second base, there is a tenth of a second where you come off the plate. There's nothing you can do. Like, that's how it works. That's how it's always been. And so steals that were safe 10 years ago are now out. That stinks. But I'm willing to deal with that because then we get plays like this correct. But if we're not going to get this play correct, then we're we're doing more harm to the game than good by having this involved. And I'm a guy that is in favor of replay review, but it's got to get it right. That is the entire goal of this. I I don't understand when it's plain, plainly obvious. So if you have that gray area, the umpire in New York is going to say, look, we just don't see it. We don't have a great angle. Some ballparks are better than others with camera angles, that kind of thing. So it's not an exact science. Okay, I can live with that. And we're going to stick with the call on the field. This was not one of those. He didn't touch the plate. Everybody in the ballpark, everybody that was watching the game could see it. So why is this even a call that we're debating and I I think from a player's perspective and the players of the Atlanta Braves after the game yesterday they were upset I mean they were really they were visibly upset they were frustrated they were like what is going on here I don't get it and I don't blame them BK I I'm kind of you know I'm sitting there going I'm with you I, I, you can't you can't explain this one away from me that this is the right call because yeah, it wasn't. Somebody on the text line from the 636, same thing with the Marlins at the Mets with the walk-off hit by pitch where he clearly struck his stuck his elbow out over the home plate. Yes, this is the thing. Like, you've got to make certain things reviewable, and if you're not going to, then what are we doing here? For example, I think that the Justin Williams play, that should be reviewable because, and we can get into this a little bit further if you want to, Dan, I, I understand Williams has to do a better job there, but at the end of the day, the call has to also be made correctly, and they got it wrong in that situation. They got it wrong in this Braves game. They got it wrong with the Marlins at the Mets game. That's three big-time plays that I can think of off the top of my head that they got wrong. That cannot happen if you're Major League Baseball. So with the Justin Williams play, I think the bigger picture of uh, asking the question is, why aren't balls that are hit prior to getting the third base not why aren't they reviewable absolutely and that's the that's the gist of it i mean you that's in the rule book that's until it goes past the bag past the umpire it's not reviewable why it's stupid <laughs> you know it's like okay it's cool so we have this arcane rule that we've used for the last hundred years but you know replay has only existed for like 15 of those and we just kind of left it that way well why ask these questions why and then whenever you don't come up with a good answer maybe we should change that rule i would think that the players association with the upcoming cba this is going to be on the table we're gonna they're gonna ask these questions as to why this was done and they're gonna say look our guys are are, are playing as hard as they can. They want to win. Every game is important. And now all of a sudden, these rules that we allowed into the game to have replay aren't being called properly. This has got to change. And I think it will. I do. Here's the other thing, Dan. It's got to be quick. That's the because other part I was going to make. I, yes. I, again, I am somebody that is in favor of these things being reviewable. I think basically everything should be in play for review. But it cannot be a situation that we get into with some of these games where it's like a three or four minute delay. Agreed. That is ridiculous. If you can't tell plainly and obviously within a minute of looking at a replay, 
as to which way it should go. Just keep the call as it is on the field. That's fine. But it's got to be it's got to be a little bit quicker than what these tend to be. So sometimes I can see why it is. Uh, and there's a reason behind it. I've been to the replay center in New York. I've done uh, research with it. I've got, I, I when we were in New York, I went there and I said, take me around this thing. I want to be educated as to how this works. And so you have a group of umpires that are there. And sometimes there's so many games going on. Now, this shouldn't be the case last night, but and it's not the case every time. But sometimes that umpire is pulled away to go look at game A and game B has also got a reviewable play. And they're like, okay, boom, 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 trying to get it done as quickly as they can. They want to make sure and get the play right, which is number one. But it takes time for that umpire to go, okay, I've just figured out A, let's go to B. Now there's multiple umpires in there. It should be done. If this is a problem, then baseball, you're a billion dollar industry. Hire another person to do this well. (laughs) That's certainly an obvious way to fix it. Yes. I'm with you. Uh, a couple other things I want to get into very quickly. we got about two minutes left. Trade deadline with the Blues. You and Alex, I'm assuming, are going to get in big for time sure. with this. Yeah, we'll definitely be discussing this throughout the day today. Really interesting weekend for the Blues. They end up going 3-0 and in the three games prior to the what deadline. What do you do now? I don't know. I don't know, Dan. If you're Doug Armstrong, you and are... And by the way, the guy that you were thinking, he's out of here for sure. He's the one helping you win games. Yeah, and even more important than the three-game winning streak in some ways is the fact that Robert Thomas once again got hurt over yep. the weekend. And so now there is an open spot in your lineup where Mike Hoffman seems to make a ton of sense. He was likely going, my opinion, likely going to be on the move prior to that injury by Robert Thomas. Is he still going to be on the move? We'll find out in the next about three hours and eight minutes. So we'll be along for the ride with you guys right up until that two o'clock deadline. It's what, two o'clock central? I believe so. Central. Okay. Is that as far right? as I know. T-Bone? Correct. I believe three Eastern, two o'clock. So okay. yes. I was like, I, I'm leaking confidence because Tanner looked at me like I was wrong. I was like, I'm okay. pretty sure it's two o'clock. Putting so you guys on the spot here. <laughs> I'm just going off what I heard on sports. <laughs> you're, you're the NHL office. You blame ESPN. Yes. Um, the other thing is, I wanted to say is, is there anything better than Master Sunday? You're not a golfer, right? I'm not a golfer. I do watch I do watch the majors. And yeah. so I was glued to the television oh. yesterday after the Cardinals game. Pretty awesome. It's the best. Yeah. I mean, I started thinking about the the events that I'm not going to miss. Game seven of the NHL Stanley Cup final. Ain't missing that one. I don't care who's in it. Game seven of uh, the uh, the NHL. Game seven, probably NBA. Not as high for me. Super Bowl, not going to miss it. National championship, probably not going to miss that. But I'd still even put above those. Except game seven of the MLB. Um, <clears throat> Master Sunday. Biggest takeaway from the tournament for you, Dan, because I know I, as much as I am not a huge golf guy, you are. You are all in, and you could talk about this stuff for hours. So oh, what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, first Japanese-born uh, player winning, and it's making me emotional. And I, uh, <clears throat> That's what I go with. <laughs> it's a tough one for me. Yeah, I go. Uh, he's He's such a great player that he is one in other events but to see him win yesterday but i the, the biggest he won like 10 years ago Shuffle, right it, as an amateur yeah he at the masters but when 16 came around matsuyama uh all of a sudden it's down to a two-shot lead and now you're thinking okay here we go final pairing we got it we got the drama and all of a sudden he puts it in the water and i thought ah because I wanted drama. Sure. And but it's still drama. It's it's still you've got to put it in the fairway. You've got to you gotta put up your four 
and you got to win the Masters. It's it's just not as easy as you think. The because everybody that follows golf knows if you're going to win, this is the one, man. Win the you win the Masters, you're immortal in a lot of ways. So 16 was kind of like drama for me. So that's how, that was my takeaway. It was special. And the other thing is, like, a lot of people, I, I don't remember who it was. Somebody had tweeted out, a golfer themselves, you know, it's tough for me to play when I've got the weight of my family. I'm thinking about my family yeah. on my shoulders. This was the weight of a country, country. Yep. on his shoulders. And so that was, it, it was a really, really cool scene, especially his caddy going over to the final, uh, cool final hole. Tipping his cap, giving a bow to it. it. Pretty cool moment out there. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, all right, so who do you guys have coming up on your show? Very excited about this one. We've got Jim Riggleman, again. former Major League <laughs> Manager. He's going to join us coming up at 1215. We'll open up with the rotation, some of the questions surrounding that. And is a six-man rotation the solution to what plagues their problems, right? You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.